Welcome, San Jose Sharks fans, to another edition of Shark City Unfiltered. I am your host, Aaron James. Thank you for joining me on this Wednesday evening here in Sharks Territory. So it's been a minute since we got together. Just about a week, I think. So we're going to briefly catch up with some of the events that have been going on in Sharks Territory, uh, specifically the prospect scrimmage. Also want to talk about some of the latest rumors surrounding the next rookie face-off tournament. Uh, Salzy Sharks have made some moves since the last time we've uh, talked Sharks hockey here. So we'll talk about the entry-level contract offer that was um, made and signed today, as well as discuss one of the latest free agent acquisitions, that being Phillips Adina. As a matter of fact, stick around because in about 15 minutes or, or less, we are going to be joined by a very special guest, Greg from the Grindline Podcast, one of the premier hockey podcasts covering the Detroit Red Wings. Okay, Sharks fans, I already know how you feel. <laughs> but we're going to have this amazing, talented host and producer join the podcast in about, again, 15 minutes to discuss Philip Sedina and give his take and introduce Charlie to the player that is coming from Hockey Town. All right, so we'll get into all that and more today. Just a reminder if you want to be a part of today's program, do so by either leaving a leaving us, pardon me, a voicemail at speakpipe.com slash shark city hockey, or you could comment on Facebook or YouTube. Otherwise, just kick back and enjoy the show per usual for those of you who enjoy this live stream on Twitter. All right, so let's move along with today's uh, program. Uh, catching up from last week, the biggest news last week, of course, was the um, you know prospect scrimmage, the development camp that went on. Got to see some awesome highlights, some pretty extensive coverage considering all the new faces in Sharks territory. There was definitely... No lack of um, of you know content out there for that week. And really, really quick, special thank you again to the Sounds of Sharks for streaming that on YouTube and Twitter. It's amazing to be able to you know um, tune into the game for those of us who were not able to secure a free ticket at the TechCU Arena last week. Um, so uh, for those of you who are not aware, you know those there's some big boys out there this this season, uh, but. They were putting on the show last week. The scrimmage featured uh, top prospects, including this year's draft picks, Will Smith, Quinton Musty, who we'll talk about in just a moment, uh, Philip Bysted, Matias Havilid, Cam Lunn, Willem Eklund was in the building hanging out. Uh, the scrimmage was pretty unique this season. They formatted it to be a 24-5-on-5. Uh, they called them sessions instead of periods, uh, followed by a 4-on-4 four four and a 3-on-3 three three for 12 minutes each. Um, I think the most unique feature this season was if there was a penalty called, rather than just getting a one-on-one uh, penalty shot, the um, the other players on the ice line up on the blue line, and when the whistle was blown, essentially play resumes, and they get to try to chase down um, the you know puck carrier who potentially has that one-on-one with the goalie. So I thought that was pretty unique, pretty cool stuff there. Um, Quinton Musty. Steals the show, just like the Sharks. You know, just like he kind of stole the draft. To be real with you, um, he scored a hat trick on his 18th birthday. Not a bad way to enter adulthood. <laughs> Playing in, in your first NHL showcase in front of fans to Texas Arena and getting the hattie while you're at it. 
Um, really awesome, awesome event. Um, if you didn't get a chance to check it out, it's still available on YouTube and on our Twitter. So, of course, follow us across uh, social media at Shark City Hockey if you're not doing so already. Uh, yeah, the prospect scrimmage was quite a spectacle. Um, obviously, the winning team hoisted the um, second annual Marchman Cup, named after Sharks longtime scout, um, Brian Marchman, who passed away last year. So with that being said, just want to say uh, again, thoughts, prayers um, are with the family, uh, you know, the Marchman family. And, you know, being that, you know, much had such a great impact on uh, the team, I'm really glad to see, you know, the Marchman Cup be a annual tradition that the Sharks um, will be, you know, um, that the Sharks prospect, winning prospect team will be hoisting every season. So with that being said, I just want to take a quick moment to have a moment of silence for, you know, remembering uh, the one-year uh, passing of Mush. Okay, thank you. So... <clears throat> Why are we talking about the prospect scrimmage about a week later? Because that's leading into my next segment, that being some of the rookie face-off uh, tournament rumors. Uh, so the 2023 NHL rookie face-off, this story is coming out of mayorsmanner.com. All right. Um, it's coming up in September. So that's the next big event for these prospects to see the Sharks. Uh, you know, some of these guys go against um, the likes more, more, you know, the Kings, the Golden Knights, the Ducks, without a doubt. We'll see if the Coyotes are still up in there and whoever else may join you know, the uh, the face-off tournament. But the real are saying that it's going to be held in Vegas. Uh, this year, for those of you who were not aware, it was supposed to be in L.A. As a matter of fact, Los Angeles was kind of um, – they're over they were overdue for theirs. Uh, so quick background on this. Uh, the inaugural rookie face-off tournament was hosted by the Golden Knights, now your Stanley Cup champs, uh, back in 2018. Um, it received praise from players, scouts, and management who attended the event. Um, it was the Kings, the Ducks, the Sharks, the Coyotes, the Avalanche, and the Knights back then. Don't see why it would change up again. That's who it was this past season when the Sharks hosted. Um, as a matter of fact... Um, the reason why they hosted, so let's just get into that history. So when 2020 came around, um, Arizona was supposed to um, host, or excuse me, in 20, 2018, pardon me, 2018, Arizona was supposed to host, but there was a conflict with the Cardinals and the NFL going on in terms of availability um, with hotel rooms and so on and so forth. Um, so the next season, Anaheim hosted it in their new facility in Irvine, and then you know, it finally went to Arizona. I think we all watched that in stream. Uh, we streamed it uh, 2020. I remember that specifically. Anyways, um, or it was supposed to be in Arizona, but the pandemic shut that down. Um, the, the next year, the Coyotes eventually hosted. So Los Angeles was supposed to be hosting. That's the whole point of this. And um, apparently, perhaps some of it is being said because there's renovations going on at Crypto Arena. And, you know, maybe it's because the L.A. Kings have their schedule to start out, I think, internationally. Um, if I'm not mistaken, who are they starting out with? 
Yeah, the, I think their training cap in their like two games is like in Australia this season. And it was enough of the Kings. Bottom line is this, is that the prospects are going to probably be heading to Vegas. If I'm mistaken, it's rumored. It's supposed to be confirmed. But um, yeah, it doesn't. It looks like LA is kind of on the back burner on this one. Um, unconfirmed time frame for this at the moment is September 14th um, through 17th. But again, just wanted to throw it out there for those of you who are perhaps thinking of attending the SoCal. You want to, uh, you know, get ready to, uh, you know, maybe reconsider some of those plans because it looks like the rookie faceoff tournament is heading to the desert. All right. Moving quite along, and pardon me if the tempo's fast, because I have a guest joining me here in a few moments, and I want to keep everything here, um, you know, up to uh, on schedule here. So uh, quickly, some more news from today. Um, this right here is kind of Sharks related, but not so much, and that is that Thomas Grice announced his retirement. Thomas Grice, obviously, he had 14 years in the season, in which, um, you know, he's he spent some of that time here with uh, the San Jose Sharks. So he was selected third round overall, uh, 94th overall in the 2004 NHL draft. Um, he was six, 160, excuse me, 162 wins, 130 losses, and 37 ties or overtime losses, however you want to count that, with a 2.77 goals against average and a 0. .91 a .911 save percentage and 16 shutouts in his 368 regular season games, 323 starts for the Blues, the Red Wings, the Islanders, the Penguins, the Coyotes, and of course the San Jose Sharks. He had one shutout in 17 Stanley Cup playoff games. He had 14 starts, and um, he was seven and eight with 9.22 save percentage. So uh, his best seasons, obviously, with the Islanders. But most of us remember him from his time here as um, you know in our farm league, and also that amazing, amazing mass. Probably one of the best masks that we've seen since. Um, since Hayward anyways um so really quick just show some more respect uh in 2018-19 along with his teammate Robin Leonard um Thomas Grice won the Jennings Trophy for allowing the fewest regular season goals and that season he was 23-14 and 2 with a 2.28 goals against average and a 0.927 save percentage with five shutouts and 43 games so Best of luck to you, Thomas Grice. Apparently, he wants to do something. Uh, he still has some plans to stay involved in hockey in some capacity. Would like to see, you know, maybe he makes a tour here again in the in the Bay Area. Only time would tell. Uh, moving along again, really quick. Again, just keeping the tempo here. Today's main event is going to be um, one of the recent free agent signings. But before we get into that, we have to talk about today's announcement, and that being that the San Jose Sharks had uh, inked Casper Hotunin. Hotunin, pardon me. Hotunin, oh my goodness, uh, 18 years old. He uh, appeared in 18 games. Obviously, you see him in that prospect scrimmage. He signed a three-year entry-level contract. All right, so congratulations. Um, you know, we're already inking up our guys, um, our prospects. We'll see if that ELC slide happens. Uh, more than likely, it's going to happen this season. We'll see if it happens for two seasons in a row. But super excited to see that, you know, Mike Greer's not hesitating on getting some of these young kids here uh, inked up. All right. Um, so now that we're all caught up, I want to take a brief moment to get a word from our sponsors at DraftKings Sportsbook. And when we come back, I am going to be joined by Greg of the Grindline Podcast to talk about all things Phillips Adina. So y'all stay right where you are. We'll be right back here on Shark City Unfiltered. 
New customers download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code THPN. Bet just $5 to score $150 in bonus bets instantly. That's code THPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Massachusetts, call 800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelplinema.org. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Kansas, call 1-800-522-4700. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in West Virginia, gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. All games regulated by the West Virginia Lottery. Please play responsibly. In partnership with Hollywood Casino at Charlestown Races, in Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. 21 and over in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after insuance, one boost per eligible game, opt-in required, max bet $50, 10-plus leg required for 100% boost. Eligibility, wagering, and deposit restrictions apply. Terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash baseball terms. All right, welcome back to Shark City Unfiltered. I am joined by a very special guest. On the line with me is Greg, the host and producer of the Grind Line podcast, a Detroit Red Wings podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. Greg, how are you doing this evening? Thank you for joining me today. I'm uh, I'm not bad. How are you? I'm not used to hearing the ad read out loud, and I have just now noticed that it has become about three lines of actual advertisement and about 150 lines of disclaimer. And it's really entertaining. <laughs> uh, very much so. Yeah, um, I was very tempted to add the uh, speed effect to those uh, disclaimers, but I left it as is to keep it natural. Uh, Greg, thank you so much for uh, joining me. Um, honestly, you know, on a short notice, so I, I appreciate that, especially the time difference. First and foremost, let me say this. How does it feel to have – just earned 10,000 subscribers on Twitter. Oh, man. Uh, it's awesome. We've been at it for quite a while. I think we're in year six or seven right now. So, I mean, pretty recently, and it's kicked up pretty well with the um, the press conference coverage that we've been doing. Um, but we we rocketed pretty quickly from 8,000 to 10,000. Love it. It's amazing. Our community is amazing. Everyone on Twitter is awesome. Um, but it, it feels good. It's, it's like a lot of hard work paying off. Okay, so... If you could, and I know, you know, with all that years and all that grinding, no pun intended, um, you know, it might, it might be tough to summarize everything, but can you just give Sharks fans out there and just hockey fans in general who enjoy this podcast, um, just a little uh, background, a little four-on-one on, on uh, you and your team at the grind line? Yeah, so it's uh, me, Ryan, and Tyler. We're all hosts, uh, and we pretty much every week, once a week, we will just do breakdowns of the news, roster predictions. We have guests on, like uh, Daniela Bruce, who's a Red Wings uh, in-house media person. Uh, we get the Red Wings social media team has been on the podcast. We talk to Darren McCarty pretty frequently. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's just we're weekly. We go all the way through the summer. We don't take any breaks, and then uh, we're pretty big on YouTube now, too, so outstanding okay let's get to you know um the reason why we're getting uh we're discussing we're talking tonight pardon me and that is philip sadina uh the 23 year old check forward just 
signed a one-year, $1.1 million contract to sell these Sharks after clearing waivers and, from my understanding, walking away from a multi-million dollar, uh, uh, leaving some millions on the table, so to speak. Yeah, the dude walked away from over $4 million, which was kind of, I think, what shocked us the most. And for a guy that a lot of our fan base kind of loved to rag on for a long time, because he was brought in as a goal scorer. He was drafted to be a goal scorer, number six overall in 2018. He's 23 years old. And he kind of screwed himself at the beginning with the quote, I was telling my agent, if they will pass on me, I'm going to fill their nets with pucks, talking about Montreal. Mm-hmm. And then that never really happened. So, and it's I, some fault of his own, some fault of not. He's had, uh, most of last year, had an injury. He came back, looked good for a few games, got re-injured again. And... I think that's just what it is, is that I, he was one of our prime fresh start candidates. We said that if we could see him go somewhere else and even leaving that money on the table, that's a huge bet on himself, which I thought there was maybe a chance that he might go back to uh, Chechia and sign a contract there. His dad coaches a team over there. He he could have gone back home and he didn't. He bet on himself for another chance in the NHL and he got that chance. So, I mean, in 190 NHL games, he has 28 goals and 40 assists for 68 points. And it's not for a lack of trying. Philip Zadina is is one of those guys that when you get him on the ice, he can drive play. In 2021-22, he had a Corsi 4 of 51 and a Fenwick 4 of 50.8. This last season, he he only played 392 minutes last season, but he had a Corsi 4 of 48 and a Fenwick 4 of 52. So he's a guy that when he's on the ice... And he proved this last season that your team will have the puck more often. And that is, he's not afraid to go to the corners. He's not afraid to dig out pucks. He is decent defensively and he has offensive upside. It's just, he hadn't really been able to break it out in Detroit. Right. So just to let some Sharks fans out there who may be unaware, um, again, Zadina, he was kind of praised as being, a sniper he was um kind of built up to be a big piece of this rebuild in detroit um it just didn't kind of play up to that or live up to that so to speak not to say that you know there's no chance for him to get back to that superstar potential that was seen in him you know a few years back Uh, obviously he's on he's kind of more or less looking to try to keep it in the top six more than likely will be bottom six with the Sharks, should he even make the squad. Um, so Zadina was advertised as a pure sniper. Um, but obviously it seems as if his play is kind of the exact opposite of that. Um, he has kind of been played with the um, the tag of not being very well defensively. So Outside of speaking of some of these status quos are some of the, you know, the things that kind of held him down, like are, you know, may have been, you know, his reputation out there near the Great Lakes. What are some of the aspects of his game that we could look forward to out here in the Bay? So I think what you're going to look at is uh, puck protection was a pretty good thing from Zadina. When he's got the puck, it's people will say, oh, he's got a ton of giveaways. It wasn't terrible Uh, this past season, 16 takeaways, 14 giveaways, which isn't a huge number. Uh, He's decent at puck protection, which you, you what you hope he does is that he finds that shot. What he had been trying to do is stand in one place and try and give himself sort of the OB office. And I think if he can just learn to shoot in stride or if he can 
find that open ice to shoot and just work on his accuracy, I think he could have a killer shot. The thing that you're looking at is that in, in not to his, again, not to his fault. If you look at the PDO, which PDO is basically the NHL metric for luck, a hundred being the baseline. So if you're over a hundred, you're more lucky than the average NHL player, which you you tend to fall back down to a hundred. And if you're under a hundred, you're more unlucky. The past two seasons, he was at a 97 and a 96. He was just incredibly unlucky for two seasons. And a lot of people will say, well, that's just kind of a cop out. But I mean, these are stats that are actually tracked by the league. And if GMs go in and and look at this stuff, they can see there's a reason to bring him on. There's, There's maybe a reclamation there. He's betting on himself, which is a huge bet, which means that he's got that kind of locker room presence. And it's been spoken about by the Detroit media. There were very hardworking people in the locker room, and Zadina was among those people. He puts in the work. He's great with the media. He's great with the fans. He works on his game. I just think that maybe post-draft was there may have been too much pressure on him, and it's just maybe the fresh start is is what he needed to to kind of boost his game up. Yeah, absolutely agree with the fresh start aspect of this. Um, I believe Steve Eiserman said most recently, I think it was Monday, that um, in, in regards to him, like he was impressed by the fact that he was willing to leave uh, those millions you know, on the table, but also that, and I quote, I go back to when we signed Philip a year ago, the feeling was he's going to get better and continue to play a bigger yeah. role. So um, you know, mostly through injury this year, that didn't happen. And, you know, long story short is based off what you're saying with your shot, those are some of the things. Now, I know you're you're mentioning a lot of advanced stats there. And for some of the um, fans out there who are n- not so much on the hockey analytics sides and just prefer the eye test, uh, I'll speak to you. Some of the things that I like looking at some of his limited highlights this past season was his backhand shot is as accurate as rich as his wrist shot. He has the ability to change direction on the fly. Uh, he could beat you glove side and top shelf with a decisive snapshot. And um, he, which I like the most, does not hesitate to shoot the puck when he finds that empty net. So um, there's also awareness. Some of the uh, things I like is, you know, he seems to f- uh, keep his eyes up ice. He finds the open player in the slot. And um, for special teams, because a lot of us here in San Jose are wondering what's going to happen there at Carlson. Um, you know, especially with that rocket of a blast that he provides at the blue line. Well, on the power play, Zadina can bring that rocket slap shot from the point on the power play. As a matter of fact, I believe he shoots on average from 30 feet away. Um, so, again, what's strange about Zadina's tenure in Detroit, in my opinion, is that he was kind of built up to be this uh, like scoring machine, but it seems like he's more or less like a two-way forward, or am I mistaken? Well, so I, the Detroit system, especially the new Detroit system under uh, Lalone, is trying to focus on a heavy defensive game as well because defense wins championships. I mean, it's been mm-hmm. proven over and over again. And I, I wouldn't say that Zadina is awful defensively, um, but his offense is generally where you're going to to get more out of him if it can develop. Like you said, if he can shoot and stride, if he can shoot more even though he doesn't see an open net to get the puck toward the net, take more chances. Uh, another positive on him is he draws way more penalties than he takes. He's very like, that's part of his puck protection. Mm-hmm. Guys will try to get the puck away from him and he is good at drawing penalties. That is one thing that he was noticeable for. So 
I think you're right on the fact that, that he's got a good shot. It's just working on the accuracy of that shot, shooting it more, and just getting to open areas of the ice and shooting in stride because we saw him several times hit the goalie directly in the logo. And there had to have been a lot of dirty jerseys that had to be clean with puck marks on them <laughs> after he was in a game. But I think it, and it's the, I could say maybe it's the pressure. Maybe he got here. He was like, Oh my God, you're an amazing scorer. You need to go out there and shoot the puck and score a million goals. And on a kid who's 19, 20, 21 years old, that can be a lot. Absolutely. And, he can go to a place now that maybe that's not what's expected of him. Maybe he's not expected to work. And I mean, at his contract that you, that you guys signed him to, he's not expected to be a top six player. He's expected to be a bottom. And maybe he gets those small minutes, works his way up, works on his shot. Because if there's a guy that's going to put the work in, I think it's Philip Zadina. Okay. I appreciate, I appreciate the honesty there for sure. Um, I'm blanking on the name right now, but I believe a lot of, you know, his, um, with those comments you made earlier that he made at the draft, I think a lot of that came back to kind of like, um, you know, bite him uh, because yeah. I believe of yep. who, who was, who wasn't selected by Detroit and the success that they had with other clubs. Um, I believe it was Vancouver, if I'm not mistaken. Quinn Hughes is who he mm-hmm. will always be compared to. Is yes. we could have had Quinn Hughes instead of Philip Zena. I hate doing the we could have had yeah. in a draft because even if we didn't take him, I mean, Quinn Hughes may have been off our board completely. And sure, if Quinn Hughes was a Red Wing instead of Philip Zadina, there'd be maybe a little different direction, but maybe we wouldn't have more at Cider, maybe we wouldn't have Lucas Raymond. Mm-hmm. So I, I can't be mad about the selection of Philip Zadina because of what it led to now. All right. I love that's refreshing. I love to hear that because I am not a big fan of like kind of status quo statements as well. I, most generic way to say it. But um, and there's also no telling what player will have, you know, what type of impact or what kind of success they'll have in whatever system that they're showing up to at such a young age. Obviously, it didn't work out for, um, you know, the 2018 sixth overall selection. But I'm hoping that even though he wasn't the answer for your guys' rebuild and Steve Eiserman, that he'll be the answer for the Sharks' rebuild and Mike Greer. And if he is, at least he's in the West, right? And we don't have to deal with him. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, you know what? I Unless there's anything else that you want to give some more insight, like, you know, just in general, like, you know, he's been there for almost a better part of five years. I know he doesn't have a lot of uh, time with, with you know, you guys in red. He spent a lot of time in, in Grand Rapids, I believe it was. Um, yeah, he spent some time in Grand Rapids. He had uh, three stints, uh, one of 59 games where he had 35 points, uh, one in 2019, 20, and 21 games had 16 points. And then uh, spent a couple games in 2022, 23 in Grand Rapids where he had a goal. So he performed at the AHL level. Um, mm-hmm. He only the thing is, is he was drafted from juniors uh, with only one year in juniors. He played mm-hmm. for the Halifax Mooseheads in 2017, 18, where he put up 82 points in 57 games. So, I mean, it's again, if you hit on it, you're going to be really, really lucky. And it seems like. And, you know, Steve Eiserman's good at that. Steve Eiserman's good at taking projects that he thinks he can work on and turn around. He took Jake Wallman. Jake Wallman was a fantastic defenseman with Moritz Sider. He's taken chances on guys. So if Greer can turn around and take chances on guys as well, and those chances pay off, and you get them for cheap, you get them for a very short term, and if they don't work, you turn them loose and you move on to the next one. But I think it's a shot worth taking at this point. Yeah, absolutely. And the whole point I was trying to bring up with that is, 
at the worst case scenario, if he doesn't crack the main roster, we have a solid guy for rotation throughout this long two game season as we try to figure out where we're headed in our system as a uh, as a franchise, but also some solid experience for some of the younger uh, prospects and kids that we have here at, with the Barracuda. Greg, uh, thank you so much for your time. I've had you for 15 minutes. Um, I would like to leave the next couple of minutes open for you to have any plugs or, you know, just share with the fan base out there, any uh, kind of recent projects you got going on right now. Otherwise, uh, thank you for your insight, but the floor is yours right now, Greg. Yeah. Thanks, man. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at grindline pod. I am at bringing the wing. Ryan's at Artie Ryan 33 and Tyler's at Seal Dog 91. Uh, we do post weekly uh, on YouTube and on our uh, podcast page. We're on every major platform. Last week, we just broke down. Actually, it's this week. We broke down the Alex DeBrinket trade and Red Wings development camp with Daniela Bruce. Uh, you can check that out on YouTube. It's a great show. Uh, she's super, super insightful, has a lot of really good information. It's always great talking to her. But yeah, go check us out. And thanks yep. for having me on. It's been awesome. Thank you, Greg. Thank you for um, you know taking time to you know come over here and have an unfiltered discussion about the Xena. I appreciate the raw honesty, and uh, hopefully we get together a couple more times uh, leading up to and during this next season. You have a great night. You too. Yeah. If anyone else gets traded, uh, I'll come back on. <laughs> all right. Sounds good, Greg. Have a good uh, have a good night. All right. You too. See ya. See ya. All right. That's actually it. Was a really awesome show. I just checked out his most recent show. Again, um, the Grind Line is a Detroit Red Wings podcast being a sounds a sharks fans that's pretty tough almost be as tough as plugging a vegas golden knight podcast not gonna lie but hey uh when it comes to acquiring new players rather than you know spit out a bunch of stats or you know give you like a like a slideshow presentation i'd rather you hear firsthand testimony from people from the fan base of you know or their former fan base of our new players so that being said um thank you again greg host and producer of Grindline Podcast. All right, so that right there was pretty much the show. Pretty simple, pretty fast, pretty easy. I just want to take one more moment to thank everybody who's been watching from top of the hour. I'm Aaron James. Don't forget to follow us across the board at Shark City Hockey. Have some very special, special things planned out. Um, if everything aligns perfectly, it's going to be an amazing, amazing fifth year anniversary, um, celebration. I'm so excited for this uh, upcoming season as shark city hockey reaches the age of five. All right. Uh, I am Aaron James. Thank you so much. Uh, one more plug on Facebook and YouTube. You could always catch our live streams. So, so don't forget to follow. We have over 1.3 K on, uh, Facebook. Uh, over 1.1k on Twitter, and you know we're g- growing the other social channels. Uh, so please subscribe and follow on. Um, you chat live when prompted to do so on Facebook and YouTube, or you could call in the show. I'm actually thinking about getting a studio line, so um, you know stay on the lookout for that. But until next time, this has been Shark City Unfiltered. We were just an unfiltered conversation about Philip Zadina. And that is going to conclude the program. Y'all have a great rest of your Wednesday evening. I will be here live with y'all again to discuss some more Sharks hockey uh, topics and news on Friday night. Till next time, y'all have a great rest of your evening.